Hello, listener. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. This is episode three. My name is Chris. The other fellow is Eric. And today, we're talking about over the top. That's right. Arm wrestling was never so riveting in cinema form until this movie came along. Sure, you can deride, you can dismiss, but really at the core, it's about a father's love for his son and arm wrestling. So we get into a lot of that. We'll kind of talk about Kenny Loggins a little bit, because that was sort of the impetus. Uh, but really, you, you can't talk about anything other than over the top once you find out that Kenny Loggins did the soundtrack. And oh, what a soundtrack it is. We get into that. Basically, it's it's a, a master course on montage. So if you uh, aren't familiar with film terms, well, give this one a whirl. We really get in-depth. Uh, we go back and forth about uh, all manner of things related to over-the-top and arm wrestling and craft services and Giorgio Moroder. Oh, it's just, it's riveting. You're going to love it. So, uh, word of advice before you start, uh, take the ball cap you got on, turn it all the way around. Flick that switch to intensity and give it a listen. You'll see. It's amazing. Episode 3, Magnificently Huge, is about to start. So grab a beer, sit back, whatever you do to get ready for this thing, and let the good times roll. Remember, in a lifetime made of memories, I believe in destiny. Meet me halfway. Enjoy. Magnificently huge. The uh, most entertaining Chris yet another you. podcast about movies. <laughs> a a codpast. <laughs> the the most entertaining cod piece you will ever read on the internet. Uh, In audio. But, but I I would just like to commend us for uh actually doing more than two. Uh, this being the third one, I think that's twice as many as we normally get done for things like this. And I think that's standard uh, for web content, right? You, you, somebody says, I'm going <laughs> to start a podcast, and then they record a podcast, and then they go around telling their friends, I have a podcast, and then they don't record anything for three hey. months. And then three months later, they do a new thing going, this is my New Year's resolution, I'm going to record more podcasts, and then it's the last <laughs> podcast they ever record. And then they tell people, I, I used to podcast, but yeah, I found it got too commercial. Yeah, hey, I have a podcast. <laughs> no, just the one. Yeah, uh, just the one. That's all I need. I'm I'm minimal. Just the one recording. Way. Just the one show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It's like so here blogs. We are. Blogs used huge. to litter the highway. Like you know, just blogs where somebody starts a blog because they want to tell a story about a vacation or a guy from work who's a dick, and then they write that yeah. one post and nothing ever again and. Oh boy, there, 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 there should be a collection uh, of those wonderful, awful blogs. Oh, I remember, just all, you know, it's kind of off, not totally off topic, but uh, like when LiveJournal was a thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and 
trying to keep up with it, and I just thought, man, this is so exhausting. <laughs> I'm like, I, don't, I just don't care enough to write about myself that much, and so I would start doing like weird asides. Yeah, I don't know whether it's it's just it's just the way that I'm wired. Mm-hmm. I did I did the same thing. I wrote uh, movie reviews for a small paper in Tucson. And it was like, oh yeah, you go see this. And so I did a couple, and they were just standard movie reviews. And after a while, I just started like writing like they were short stories of me and a made-up guy uh, talking about other stuff that was sort of tangentially related to the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's why. <laughs> like, that's just, yeah, I loved Live Journal much more than uh, what Facebook turned into because of the length. But uh, I remember you on Live yeah. Journal. I remember actually hauling you into that prank on an ex-girlfriend, who. I wanted uh, oh, to I wanted yeah. to fuck with the, the <laughs> what was it it was something it was something like you you I I had you pretend to have cheated on a girlfriend and then I started like blasting you about you know well only like fucking scumbags cheat on people or something just so I could basically zap her <laughs> and you were like oh yeah fuck it let's 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 ruin her life let's go <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah I'm game I don't know this person yeah so yeah. So the, the the only thing that's missing from uh from this though uh is like people paying us to do it. Yeah, we should get sponsors. Like, we should get commercial sponsors. Like I We should like everybody's got one. Yeah. I mean like Chico, like Chico's Chico's bail bonds. That would be a good one. Nice bad news bears reference. Yes. Hey, yeah. yeah. They support Little League. They can support us. Or we can find out in Blade Runner <laughs> what's what they're advertising for when that Japanese woman eats the sushi in the big, huge, giant video ad. I just every, every time I see that, I, I think of uh, uh, I, I can hear her almost saying "nom" as she eats the sushi. <laughs> Is that the one like when they, when they when they do the flyby and it's just that yeah. and it's like that sing-songy weird. Okay. <laughs> It's like there's some kind of Buddhist chant, about. and there's a Japanese woman eating sushi in a 900-foot video screen, and then they cut to the street view, and over his car is a, a shop window, and in it is a neon sign that says, Atari. It's just yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Because Atari will oh, be around right, forever. They, they, yeah. Well, and then the, and that's when they, they do the uh, the forced voiceover yeah. for the stupid people, <laughs> and it's like, sushi. That's what my ex-wife used to call me. Cold fish. Oh, shut up. Yeah, but no. The, shut up. The, what I love about that voiceover is, I, I remember, okay, I need that, because I'm nine and I'm watching Blade Runner on cable. And then <laughs> I find out from you, of all people, that uh, that voiceover was forced in, in in post to help explain the movie. And then I thought, oh boy, yeah. what jerks, you know, and Harrison Ford isn't even in trying. He must hate it, too. But then, after that, I started listening to every Harrison Ford performance, and (laughs) (laughs) with the exception of moments with Han Solo, it's almost always like this. I need to go through that door into the next room. I'm going through that door into the next room. I'm in the next room now. You know, it's it's all that. Well, except in, like, uh, Last Crusade, when he's working against Connery, and it's the part where the the plane (laughs) shoots the car, and then they gotta run away, and, and Connery's just kind of sitting there all befuddled and Harrison <laughs> Ford just stops and looks back, just sort of exasperating. He's like, Dad, they're coming back. <laughs> yeah, he has moments. There's oh. no question. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's a, he's a curmudgeon. I think he's always been one. 
It's good times. My, my uh, favorite moment from that film, I just want to say, is when they're both tied to chairs back to back, and he's going, Dad! 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 What? Ah. <laughs> uh, well, that's followed, that's, I think it's, yeah, presaged by lines like, uh, I wash the next man. Or whatever the hell he says. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. The penitent man? So there you the have penitent it. man. Yeah. yeah. The, the, only the penitent man may pass. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I wrote it down so I wouldn't have to remember. <laughs> I am your Shempify. You are my coat tie. When Cortez uh, reached the new world, he burned his ships <laughs> so as to better motivate the men. Ah, uh, and for the the two listeners out there, now this has devolved into uh, Conneryisms. Our version of the tr- the trip. Dueling Conneries. Next will be Michael Caine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then Michael Caine's. Uh, we'll we'll cover all the bases. Yeah. Uh, Boy, we we've, we've been doing this for for like let me see, almost a hundred years. Eight minutes now, and we still haven't hit our our magical topic for the week, which I'm not quite sure I fully oh. understand. You should explain it. Uh well, I think I initially had uh, approached you with sort of a mini retrospective of the. Uh, Kenny Loggins theme songs right. from movies right. from the 80s and somehow I had figured out a way that we could play like a game uh, called Six Degrees of Kenny Loggins god damn it you are uh, good with those games I never think of games I gotta start thinking games but, well I came up with a great title but then it all kind of unraveled uh, so here's the thing I'm gonna change the topic on you because uh, if we do the top three that's Caddyshack Footloose and Top Gun, right. which come on, Caddyshack, Footloose, and Top Gun again. Uh, of one and, and of those three, I I've not seen Footloose to this day. Uh-huh. Uh, I've seen bits of it. I watched all of the videos on MTV in '84 when it was like a smash hit. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've seen the movie without actually seeing the movie. Right. Uh, so I don't care. Uh, I love Caddyshack. I know you. You're probably lukewarm, tepid to it at best. I think it's hilarious. Uh, I don't know how it's aged because okay. I haven't seen it in so long. Oh, I watch that thing like once a year. Really? Frankly, still works. Oh yeah. No, Al Chervik is still it's, my hero. I. Uh... Oh god, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> but the, my favorite bits are always sort of the aside things, like when they're they're following around uh, the golf course and all the caddies are in the bushes, kind of spying at everybody. Right. And the one guy's like, 50 bucks," says the smell kid, picks his nose and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like just little sidebar stuff, right? Uh, so I feel, so I feel like Caddyshack. Everybody's had that conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Footloose, we don't care. And Top Gun, I think, has been done to death. I think even Tarantino has had his day with, uh, with the latency on that one. Uh, yeah, he's, but Kenny he started, Loggins gets too. He started a whole uh, uh, subgenre of uh, Top Gun is a metaphor for homosexuality. I, yeah. I think that's Which, going to end up being in the like gender studies essays for decades, <laughs> and not just because uh, they're right; it is kinda that way, but because yeah. the the perception of of uh, sexuality in, uh, uh, in in society changes so often. It's like Top Gun is going to have a new meaning for people <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Well, plus uh, I can't wait for the sequel. That would that's gonna be good. Yeah. Uh so so yeah, so Top Gun's been done to death. Although Kenny Loggins had two songs in that one that were hits. 
there's the danger zone. And then there's the one but about playing also, with the boys, which with, is, again... Yeah. <laughs> and they're all shirtless and I'm like, who the hell plays volleyball in jeans? I mean, you guys are all imbeciles. Every, everybody is shirtless except Anthony Edwards because he was not beefcake. <laughs> yeah, because he, he's a nerd. Yeah. He's revenging. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> freaking goose. Uh, uh, I just I knew days. so many that was that was still high school when that came out and I knew so many just fucking desperate shitheads who were really into that movie and <laughs> and and when that came out they had pamphlets and recruiters in the lobby to like catch yeah. those dudes on their way out and I'm like God so many I, of them probably got got themselves locked into the Navy for four years based on that yeah, dumb movie I can see that yeah well here's the thing. When you're a kid and you watch that, you think, oh, that's awesome, Maverick, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but then over time, if you ever watch it again, uh-huh. uh, and, and I haven't seen it in a, in a chunk of time, but I have watched it uh, in my adult years, uh, and I've spoken to people who've also done it, and basically the the consensus that I gather when I have these discussions with other people is like, when you watch that movie as an adult, uh, Maverick is a total fucking douche. Uh-huh. Uh, and you want to punch him in the face, and uh, Val Kilmer is pretty much an okay guy. He's an adult. It's like he's just trying. He's an yeah, adult. Yeah, he's just trying <laughs> to keep the team together, and he's trying to do his job. And here's Maverick like pissing all over him all the time. Right. It's like, dude. And when you're a kid, you're like, oh. oh. I don't know. I had so, that yeah. same and, reaction though when I was a kid and I saw it. When 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 uh, Val Kilmer has that line, I don't like you because you're not safe. I thought that's valid. That's valid. He's been doing shit this whole movie that has been dangerous as yeah. fuck, and then he gets his friend killed doing shit that's dangerous as fuck. So, not, yeah. not a whole lot of sympathy. Yeah. Yeah, but that but that also uh, sets up my favorite line read from uh, Tom Cruise in that whole movie. He's like, "I don't like you because you're not safe," and then he goes, "That's right, ice." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, man, you are you are brilliant. Sir. Yeah. I will, follow, I will follow you any day. <laughs> oh, yeah, and from there we begin the oeuvre of uh, Tom Cruise, because I don't think anything before yeah. that entirely counts. Before that, he's just a working yeah. actor. Here he's got you know a little bit of uh, yeah. leeway. Yeah, where he lost me was uh, uh, Days of Thunder. Cashed in that success, and then he made that, and I thought, mm, okay, I'm out. He lost you that, uh, that late in the game? I was, I was I think, out... With Top Gun, frankly, I I liked. I'm one of those few people who liked Legend. You know, I thought Legend I was like actually it. pretty badass. It. Oh, really? Oh, okay, great. Uh, yeah, I've got the one. I've got the one where you can get the the other soundtrack that uh, that's you get. You get the one with Tangerine Dream, and then you get the other soundtrack. Oh, get the fuck out Percy. of here! Really? I didn't know there was uh, a second. So one. it's. Yeah, it's on. I don't know if the DVD's in print anymore. Yeah. Uh, but it just I I stumbled across it, and so we picked it up. I'll, uh, I'll have to send so you yeah, some you can software so you can bootleg it for me. Yeah, <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, man. Music yeah, film that was talking. that was an awesome oh, film. I, uh, he, you know, t- uh, Tom Cruise was well cast in it. Tim Curry was freaking brilliant, and I think that's the yeah. only other place you'll ever see Mia Sarah. Besides Ferris, yeah. So I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But that also has uh, one of my f- my other favorite line reads from the era, uh, and I don't even remember the name of the character, frankly. 
but it's one of the little weird spritey things. Right. And they're like, black as midnight, black as pitch, black as then the foulest witch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, man. I got goose pimples. <laughs> so. And, yeah, nobody ever talks about that film. And it's it's another it's, – it's, it's like Blade Runner in that it's a Ridley Scott film that was kind of shot on a shoestring and looks like it yeah. is oozing money. I mean – that's yeah. that's a guy who really it's, does well with restrictions. Well, I mean, you know, I think he, because he plied his trade as a commercial director, he could probably squeeze a lot of juice out of that lemon. You think? Uh, I would have thought and, the other way. Like, yeah. if you're if you make a living shooting commercials, you're given you know like several million dollars to fill thirty seconds, you know, as opposed to several well, million dollars to fill two hours. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a, a half-baked thought. Because oh. then you also have guys like uh, Michael Bay uh, who really just have no business being anywhere near a freaking movie camera. Yeah. And yeah. yet, so. But again, uh, film film chat thing, let's bag on Michael Bay. Uh, Here's my thing. But, on Michael Bay, I have, I've never, I, I don't believe I've ever liked any of his films. I can't think of a single Michael Bay film no. where I go, oh, well, wait, no, that. But the thing is, my, I don't have an issue with his direction. I have an issue with his editing, like everyone else. He needs to hire a professional editor, and he needs that editor to be on uh, the set going, no, 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 you have to let the camera run a little longer. No, no, no. So you, basically you, what you're saying more. is like, so like what what would a Michael Bay movie be like with, say, Thelma Schoonmacher? Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> a good question. Um, I mean that would be that would be something, wouldn't it? High high intensity with longer takes. Yeah, that would. Yeah. Uh, that would be Spielberg. That would be perfect. Because <laughs> Spielberg, of course, is, yeah. is is the greatest filmmaker ever made. If you really don't care about movies. Yeah. Well, you know, I was watching uh, Super Eight on TV this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, that always sucks me in because I'm like, man. This is the greatest Spielberg movie never directed by Spielberg. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's like it's got everything. Yeah, That's uh, that Stranger Things, that show on Netflix, is the exact same thing. It's like, let's take yeah, all of the yeah. cliches of the 80s and like pour them into uh, uh, an episodic television series. And it's... I guess I'm I'm down yeah. I'm down for it like the first couple of times and then I'm like this is I don't I never I never I never cared about the Goonies so much I wanted a TV version of it. Yeah. No, I mean it was good. I mean I I think for me that where where it was solid was when they uh, kind of did the the weird sort of asides with the kids' relationships, uh, and they got to kind of flesh those out a little bit. Right. But then when they went into like the upside down and monster territory, it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like if they could have just had it as just the weird uh, Stephen Kingy uh, like girl with telekinetic issues that was kind of a, a wild card, and the government was chasing her. I think I'd have been more on board with it. But mm-hmm. then they had to have like a space monster creeping through dimensional portals and and all that. I'm like, eh, it's just too much, too much. But yeah, I like that they went for it with the violence. I think that's really rare that you have uh, a show like that where they they really fuck people up. I loved that part, but I I, I think the character of the sheriff, uh, God, how to put that? The chief of police guy, he has yeah. a backstory, and they reference, you know. He probably has a really interesting backstory. We'll have to come back to him. And then they fill it in with a standard backstory. 
of like a kid dying, but you don't care. You don't care about him. You don't care about the backstory because it's all paint by numbers. Oh yeah, that's here's the backstory yeah. part now. Okay, got the backstory part. We can continue with the monsters. I, it just felt lazy. <laughs> well, speaking of which, which segs into uh, where I was gonna kind of hijack uh, the Kenny Loggins topic. Uh huh. Because uh, I because I was looking around and I was just kind of uh, freshening up on his work. Uh-huh. Uh And I stumbled across uh, one that I had totally forgotten about because he had he had more hits than just the three. Oh yeah. Back in the eighties. Yeah, he was a hit machine, uh, as the yacht rock yeah. guys say, the heart of a rocker with the soul of I can't remember all of what the yacht rock guys said, but <laughs> yeah. Well, it's best that you just kind of leave it there so you're not accused of plagiarism. Yeah. Uh, big fans, guys. Big fans. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I came across uh, the song Meet Me Halfway, mm-hmm. which is the, the titular theme uh, to the Citizen Kane of arm wrestling movies, Over the Top. <laughs> I didn't know and that. I realized that I had... <laughs> so, yeah. And it was I think it charted at, like, number 11. So it almost made the top 10, but not quite. Right. Which is forgivable, considering how much Over the Top actually tanked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I realized that I had never seen Over the Top in the 30 years since it's been released. Really? Like, so I just had managed to avoid it. See, and you, uh, you so talk like, about okay, what a, an inactive childhood you had, and yet I feel like I'm, 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 I'm completely familiar with the Golden Globus canon. I, I, I'm hit or miss on those guys, frankly. I mean, any movie studio that essentially bases a production around having a poster already made, uh, it's hard to kind of argue with that. Oh, no, they the were time, awful, like, but well, if you had you cable Delta Force. in the 80s <laughs> and you weren't, you know, really buying any premium, cha- or your parents weren't buying any premium channels, you got to know the Golden Globus oof, rather uh Oh, yeah. Rather I'm not intimate. saying I, I I'm not saying that I haven't seen them. I'm not saying that, that uh, they're unfamiliar to me, mm-hmm. uh, but there are certain ones that just kind of, I went, eh, whatever, I'll catch it, and then I just never bothered. And yeah. then they kind of uh, fade and then they occasionally come back. So I went out and I I went on my Roku mm-hmm. and I found uh, where I could get over the top to watch, uh-huh. uh, where I wouldn't have to pay for it, because I'll be damned if I'm going to pay to see it. Uh, and so and so Why? I watched that. This God week. damn it! I my TV is playing Michael McDonald and I can't make it stop. <laughs> see you you've. <laughs> Fuck. There. You've angered the the yacht rock gods. <laughs> I do that. Oh, yeah, that's right. My wife is not in the house because she's at an artist convention downtown, and so I get to do all of the shit that annoys her to death, including walking around talk, uh, singing like Michael McDonald. like... <laughs> I wish Michael McDonald would do a TV, like a talk show. <laughs> interview would be like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Talk about your next movie project. I'm sorry, Mr. McDonald. I don't, I don't know what you say. What is it? Is this English? Is he talking? Oh, I don't know what you're saying. Can you do it slower? I just, I'm not okay. getting it. Okay, we're going to take a commercial. I think I think I got that last one. A cooking segment? You want to do a cooking segment? Uh, <laughs> so yeah. So so I found over the top, 
and I decided that I was going to actually watch it. Uh, and I, I took notes because I knew it was going to be the only time I would probably ever watch it. Over the top, Dad. Uh, over the top. <laughs> yeah, no, that used to be the thing, too. We would always do that. Yeah. Over the top, Dad. <laughs> uh, now, the first thing I will mention is like and the, every song in that movie from the soundtrack mm-hmm. uh, sounds like it was designed to be over a montage. <laughs> and when you watch the movie, every single song from the soundtrack is a song over a montage. Yeah. It is amazing. I like I've never seen that before ever, I don't think. Ever. And are they all and on the nose? Stuff. Are they all on the nose music cues? Like it's footage of him eating a sandwich. Gonna eat a sandwich I'm sliced alone eating sandwiches. <laughs> basically, yeah. Basically it's like everything that Team America did with their montage song. Uh-huh. Uh got nothing on the entire over-the-top soundtrack because it's just like amazing like anytime you need to pump up the crowd it's uh meet me it's the uh winner takes it all by sammy hagar uh where you where it's like the the rocky tune to kind of get you pumped up winner takes it all loser takes the fall yeah i remember that song Uh, yeah and it get pumped up and then anytime they want to bring it down a notch and kind of get, like, let's get back to the father-son dynamic, then you've got Kenny, meet me halfway across the sky. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. So there's a lot of montages. I wasn't prepared. Basically, it's 90 minutes, yeah. and I think about 60 of them are montage. Did they? Uh, I can't remember the film well enough to note that that Queensryche song, Drive a Semi-Truck Through Robert Loggia's Home, is that, did they end up uh, uh, shooting something in the film to match that song. Oh, I don't. I think Asia was playing during that. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I think I, I remember I that know. film so well. Just, just well, I was high and, and watching that film and going, "This is, this is so awful." But I love how awful this is. It's like wonderful awful. Yeah, it it it's sort of on the precipice. Like I could almost be on board with actually uh, watching it again, ironically, but I just think I would rather punch myself in the face. That dude is uh, drinking motor oil. That dude is drinking motor (laughs) oil. Why? Yeah. Well, yeah. But the thing with that one is that he's like chomping on cigars and drinking motor oil, and then there's just a throwaway shot during one of the the recess breaks between the the final match of him like like, drinking Alka Seltzer, like it's going acid or Maalox or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, oh, Menachem Golan, you sly devil, you. <laughs> but, uh, but it just, it's just the weird, like, when you watch it and you've never seen, you don't, like, have any context for it, it's like, the, you could easily just step in uh, with someone who's never seen it and has no idea what it's about, and if you, if you cut out, like, the beginning and just start with the kid and Stallone in the truck, mm-hmm. I mean, it literally could be a movie about uh, a a pedophile truck driver who's stolen a kid <laughs> and, is trying, and is trying to make him fall in love. It's like the dynamic is just really tweaked. <laughs> so without the context, you're you're lost. Yeah. Because I'm like, this is why... And I'm like, and he's got like that weird like pulley thing with the weights in the truck and he's trying to teach the kid how to like work out, but just his right arm. And I'm like, you know, that's just... Oh. Right. Uh, hey kid, let me so let me said, rub yeah. you down with oil so you glisten. Yeah, <laughs> and like the, and the first night, they like just pulls the truck over on the side of the road, and he's like, "Well, I think it's just time to pack it in for the night." 
And the kid's like, I don't see a hotel anywhere. I just thought we'd uh, sleep in the truck. That's what most truckers do. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm like, that kid is not going to live to see morning. <laughs> So it's just a really ill-conceived... And the thing is that Stallone co-wrote this thing. Yeah. Like, how did you... How? Uh, <sighs> but so so you get that, and then you get like weird things where they're, in the, they're eating food in the diner mm. uh, on the first day. Going to see... Oh, that's the other thing. The kid's mom is dying, uh, and they keep alluding to the fact that uh, Lincoln Hawk, the Stallone character, mm. has like uh, abandoned them somehow but not really. It's just Robert Loggia is the dickish rich grandfather who doesn't want him anywhere near, blah, blah, blah. Right. So they're on the way, and so it's like you, you get cutaway shots of this sickly woman in bed who's got some vague heart condition, uh, and then when she dies in the middle of the movie, like they don't talk about her ever again. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on? So, nice plot device. Uh just you need one cutaway scene of her corpse in the bed and a nurse going, is someone going to pick this up? And yeah. then right back to the arm wrestling challenge. <laughs> yeah, really? That's a whole other movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they're, ha- they're, ha- they're having lunch, and then like the, the weird, they call me Smasher. And he's like this giant, dumb-looking dude. Challenges him to the arm wrestling. But at that time, you don't know that it's arm wrestling yeah. unless you've seen the trailer. Uh, and that's when the kid starts to have grudging respect for his for his dad. So they're setting up in this back room, and everybody's getting all around like it's a circus, going, "Oh yeah, we're gonna get an arm wrestling match!" They're passing money for bets and whatnot. And it's like then you get to the shot of Stallone walking in, and that's the signature move of Lincoln Hawk, is that to get into the zone for the <laughs> the arm wrestling, he turns his trucker cap backwards. Just like flick, and, it, and later in the film they have like a cutaway where they're they're interviewing him for the finals at the arm wrestling championship, and he's like, it's like a, a switch, you know, it's like a, I turn it around and I become like a a machine. <laughs> Which you know is <laughs> so that's like it was cute. that was from from one of the writers' meetings. He needs a thing like how about if he flips his hat and it's like a switch and then he becomes like a machine. Yeah. I really like that that those but sounds that just though. came out of my head hole. I'm gonna write it into the movie too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I just threw a dart at the board and it landed exactly on that. So good job. You know, for like 30, so. 40, 40, 40 years, he has been writing or co-writing his own films. Isn't it about time we go back and look at Rocky and say, was it really that good? I mean, was, I don't ever. It, I've never been like a huge fan, so it's yeah. like. But, but uh, the, the fact that we keep going and get Sly Stallone is a writer when you know he is attached to so yeah. much shit. Well, this is the thing. I had, I had this conversation the other day because I was talking about uh, Over the Top with a colleague at work. And I was explaining how just baffled I was by the entire thing. Um, and then at some point he came back and he was talking about uh, how Stallone had won the Oscar, yeah. though. And I'm like, yeah, but not for acting. Yeah. And then he's like, well, for for writing though, that's not bad. I'm like, yeah, but he also wrote Rhinestone and Cobra and Fist yeah. and Ram. Like, I just literally I like a when Driven just came out. Awful. Do you remember Driven, his his car racing movie? <laughs> I remember. And everyone at the time was like, Sly Stallone Harlan? wrote the whole script. You know, Sly Stallone, he writes sports movies and wins Academy Awards for them every single one. And <laughs> 
It's like, <laughs> nope, just the one. Yeah, no, just Rocky, the one. Rocky was just kind of like, you know, it wasn't, it was a 70s film. That's the problem. You watch it now and you go, oh, yeah, that's right. This is boring. There's nothing happening. And then there's a, yeah. a, a fight uh, a montage. Uh, yeah, it, I, I, I think it's it's a drag. And, meh. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not a fan. I haven't really revisited often because mm-hmm. uh, it's just not my thing. But you know, more power to people that dig it. Whatever. I think the soundtrack's but, uh, great. As a as a you know as a soundtrack junkie, I I think that uh, was that Goldsmith. Well, what is that? It's Tom Conti. Tom Conti. That's yeah, right. It's Tom yeah. Conti, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. So, I mean, yeah, the, so. the soundtrack's fucking amazing, but the movie's not. Yeah. Well, the over-the-top soundtrack is done by Giorgio Moroder. Oh. And I think that's going to speak for itself. Fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will, like he he wrote and produced every single song on that soundtrack, which is why they all sound the same and yeah. they all sound like they need to be montages. One like, day, oh, Marauder. One day, I, I maybe maybe our next show, I want to do the American Gigolo uh, 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 show <laughs> and just 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 go into my in depth analysis of my favorite awful movie that Giorgio Marauder did the music for. Because yeah, <laughs> that's like the only film he should have done the soundtrack for because it's the only film that basically just speaks out this this is the kind of uh surface horseshit that only Giorgio Moroder could do justice yeah well they allowed him to have a career yeah. so bravo <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the thing that, the thing that got me though about the well number one uh Stallone's character in over the top is named Lincoln Hawk hmm. and I'm like that that doesn't sound like a made up name at all but Throughout the entire movie, uh, they can never get the last name right. It's like they either call him Hawk or Hawks. So I'm like, why are they pluralizing his last name? It's like, is his last name Hawks? And then later someone will call him Hawk. And they never get it right, and they never correct it. And it was so infuriating. So I'm like, what the fuck is his name? Is it Hawk? Is it Hawks? Why? Who is... Who is wrong and who is right? There's no context. God damn it. That's I. They were, you so. know, it's so funny. You were this week on uh, how did this get made? They made a reference to um, uh, Dante's Peak, the the Pierce Brosnan Ooh. volcano movie, and I guess yeah. there are two characters in there. One, uh, uh, well, one's named Harry, and the other one is named Terry. And so the film is loaded with people going, Terry, Harry, are you okay, Harry? Where's Terry? Terry, Harry, Harry, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I also remember uh, <laughs> that the uh, uh, what's what's her name from Terminator Two was in it. Too. Uh, Sarah Connor. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know her real her. name. I can't ever remember. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, she, but she was the mayor of the small town where the volcano like wants to destroy, mm-hmm. uh, and I think her last name was like Wando or something. And throughout the entire film, they kept calling her Mayor Wando. <laughs> and I don't know. It just, it always strikes me as funny. There, I'm like, the, so basically, I remember it's nothing, a Pacific Northwest town. Yeah, I remember nothing, nothing about that movie, except at the very, very, very end, after they rescue them, right? And there's some convoluted reason they rescue them, because they find the remote droid with the GPS tracking thing. It's it's a whole deal, but the very end, they're all, you know, happy and yay, you're alive. And the actress who was on the Drew Carey show 
is in that. And she basically is has been given the the lines to 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 explain to Pierce Brosnan what just happened that we already saw. It's like they shot a scene and then they had her verbalize what happened in the scene, right? Does this make sense? <laughs> and I think because they weren't sure the film came out or something, but they they're like, "Okay, and and you say this." And you can tell that it's embarrassing for everyone because yeah, the, Pierce Brosnan <laughs> and Sarah Connor are like, uh-huh, yeah, whatever. Literally, uh-huh, yeah, whatever. And she's standing there jumping and, and saying her lines and realizing, I don't need to be talking right now. It's like they forced her to be embarrassing. Yeah, I, <laughs> really, I'm Basil Exposition. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, Or uh, in this case, you know, I'm Penelope Epilogue. And I've got to find like that footage because it's just so sad. I felt so bad oh. for her. And well, even I, she, I she like sags. That... She physically, visually sags as she realizes, <laughs> I need to shut up, you know? But that's it's a, written that's down, and I'm that's getting That's a winner. <laughs> well, that's, that was the year that they came out with dueling volcano movies, yeah. and the other one was with Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, and was infinitely uh, funnier. Basically, it's like the world's slowest... Yeah, the world's slowest lava flow. I mean, it was like Bahoy Hoy. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's inching down La Brea. I'm like, run, everybody, run! And it's like two hours later. Oh, it's at 31st Street. Okay, we're good. Run, everybody, run! Yeah, and and, and the thesis awful. of that being we can we can end gang activity if we like have a volcano go off in Los Angeles. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, nothing like the geosciences to bring us all together. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the I think I think that that one is is rightfully an Anne Heche classic. Uh, rightfully, yeah, rightfully. But but is any any movie with Anne Heche a, a classic of some form? Uh if she gets naked, yeah, because I'm all about Anne Heche. <laughs> God uh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that that six days, seven nights—that was a real winner too. That had Harrison Ford <laughs> right. doing some tremendous line reads. I I uh, really think that that's I, I, I that's so unfortunate. That whole uh, she killed our movies because she came out of the closet. It's like no, she just sucks. It's like Amanda Peet. You know, there's no excuse for Amanda Peet either. I cannot uh, name. I mean, maybe the I can't even remember if the full nine yards or whatever was good. Full ten yards. Something with Matthew Perry, uh, but that's the only movie I can think of she was in that was moderately yeah. successful. Yeah, I don't. I don't really follow the career of Amanda Peet. No, I just well, every time so I hear her I'm name, gonna... I go, "Oh God, no! What?" It's like, yeah, if she's oh, in God. it, it cannot possibly be good. <laughs> well, if only she were in Over the Top, maybe you would change your tune. Yeah. Oh. No, over the top. That if she if she had landed that project, that would have been yeah. At that given oh, the, given when it God. came out, she could have been like the teen hooker that uh, Lincoln Park or whatever his yeah. name uh, gets his kid to lose his virginity <laughs> with. Oh my God! Yeah, you need to go uh, in there and become well, a the man. Thing, the, like. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, like he's saying because he's it's just a weird weird performance by Stallone through the whole thing because he starts out as like this uh, sort of timid muscle guy because he wants to reconnect with this kid mm -hmm. who's sort of estranged and so he's like real uh, doofusy uh, and real 
I don't just nebishly almost. It's weird. <laughs> uh, but then they get him into that uh, arm wrestling thing in, in that diner, like the truck stop, uh, and he switch and he turns the hat around, and then suddenly he gets like the craziest. I'm gonna murder everybody in this room. Look yeah. on his face, like his eyes get real big, and he gets like that like weird Rambo face almost. Yeah. And I'm like, holy! I'm like, he's gonna kill every single person standing in front of him right now. And he like walks up real slow, <laughs> and it's like, what in the hell? And then the the match is over, and it kind of just like he puts the cat back around, and then it's like, oh, I'm doofus dad again. La 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 yeah. la. I'm like, what in the hell is going on? I but wonder just, if that crazy, movie started, crazy eyes. I wonder really, honestly, if that movie started as a like a, a more well-intentioned father-son kind of uh, relationship movie, and then you know, like like a couple weeks into production, someone came on and said, "Would something please just happen?" There's nothing really. happening. <laughs> okay, well, how I about an we idea. insert a, a, an arm wrestling thing? Don't we have to go back <laughs> to the earlier footage and, like, back up that premise? Fuck that. It's in the can. Oh, no. Let's finish oh, no. this thing. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And I think you've just saved our movie, sir, because it, it, we had no idea how to market a movie about a pedophile truck driver. <laughs> so, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. Uh, but the the... The theme song, Meet Me Halfway, uh, crops up like five times, and it's just, uh, it's awful. Yeah. It's just truly awful. But the thing that kills me is, like, you go through all of this, he, like, has the, the, the run-in with Logia, like, runs the truck through his house, gets arrested, blah, 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 and then that's the big uh, apex of the movie, the big finale, and he finally wins, uh, and <laughs> he, like pulls the kid up and they're all cheering he's like hey over the top blah, blah. and then they cut to Logia who'd run in with his goons to take the kid back and then he like sees this so Stallone has won the, the arm wrestling championship and he's got his kid and everybody's happy and Logia like his last deal in the whole movie he doesn't get a line or anything it's just like this look on his face like oh alright <laughs> <laughs> and like suddenly everything's better I'm like right. you got to be ki-. I'm like I'm gonna reach through there and fucking kill you I I was so irritated. Really? Yeah, given the yeah. way the entire movie goes, that moment is what put you, shall we say, over the top. Over the top, yeah, yeah. It really was. I really would have it liked really a post credits sequence in there, a la Marvel, where he goes to Logia in the parking lot and says, uh, yeah, so I won the truck, so I can start you know, applying my trade again, but I am on the balls of my ass broke, and I need to pay insurance on this thing. <laughs> is there any way you can but No, no, he, he wouldn't have... What? They already covered that, because he put down... He sold his old truck, and... Uh, got seven grand, and then he put a bet down on himself for twenty to one to win. Oh, uh, I didn't so, see. I so, didn't. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was just he's in there yeah. for the truck. All right. All right. Cool. So no, gambling. No. Got so it. yeah. Yeah. So, so fuck you, a lot Robert of life Logia. lessons <laughs> in this. Which and you and you bring up the end credits, and this is the other thing that killed me because I actually stayed through. Uh, just I, I just I just let it roll and kind of had to kind of have a zen thing and, and then expunge it from my system uh and so i'm like reading through the the thousands of people that are involved with this thing and somehow i just i just zeroed in uh when they got to the craft services uh-huh. 
And it's like craft services provided by Variety Catering, blah, blah, blah. And then there's a secondary one under that that fucking killed me. I just started laughing. <laughs> Basically, it's craft services provided by Variety Play, blah, blah, blah. And then another said additional catering provided by Pizza Hut. Yeah, additional catering pizza provided by Pizza Hut. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> thanks, guys. Oh, here's here's some, like that's that's what you do in dorms. Like, oh, we got a big study session. That's Let's exactly what happened. I'm sure oh. they were like doing some uh, some remote, some second unit stuff, and they did they they, they just went to the pizza guy and said, "We're making a movie. If you make us fifty pies, we'll put you in. We'll put you in, dude. We'll put <laughs> yeah, you really, in." Really, I just thought it was so random. It's like when we when we used to uh, make our our stupid flicks, yeah. and we would always insert Colt Seavers as the stunt driver. Yeah, yeah. or the I mean, Tunisia kind of, unit. Kind of that. I always loved that from yeah. the, the Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> Tunisia unit director. Yeah. So I was like, if it felt like that, I'm like, that's got to be a put on. <laughs> Fucking Pizza Hut. Oh, Ooh, hey, no wonder this movie was, only made no, $16 million. Maybe it was a brilliant uh, 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 sort of contract negotiation a loophole where they had made a deal with Pizza Hut to put them into the movie, but they had put it in <laughs> after they had shot it, and so they put it in the credits. They go, "Not nah, look, see right there, Pizza Hut." Where it says right it there. It could be. It could be. Apparently, Pauline Kale just savaged the movie and just uh, took it apart for its obscene product placement <laughs> bullshit. I mean, that was like her review. They couldn't fit so in that enough product. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, so yeah. So so meet me halfway. Uh, I think. By Kenny Loggins. Well, I think this has been a brilliant part one, frankly, of the what's looking like four-part uh, Kenny Loggins cinematic score uh, <laughs> series we're doing. Exactly. Part one yeah, over we're, the top. Yeah, because we're not going to talk about fucking Caddyshack 2, that's for sure. Uh, you, I'm just going to say that right now. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, do, I do think at some point we should deconstruct Top Gun. I... I Especially with the sequel coming <laughs> okay. out, and not a whole lot of people younger than us giving a fuck. I mean, so it's this movie where they fly around planes. <laughs> the the one thing you got to give Top Gun, if nothing else, is it is all editing. There 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 is no uh, yeah. There's no CGI, and there's you know there's no models. There's there's no yeah. fakery. It's strictly the editing and whatever footage they manage to like get. Let get the navy to let them shoot with their planes. Yeah, I agree. All right, we'll put that on the slate. Woohoo! Somewhere, somewhere. All right. Well, you can be my wingman anytime. Oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the appropriate response. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's sew it up. Uh, I'm I'm huh? I'm Colt Seavers. And I'm the Tunisian unit, and this is Magnificently Huge Podcast, episode three. In a manner of speaking. <laughs> All right, I'm hanging up now. <laughs>